0: Thank you for listening to this message from the pulpit of New Grace Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. We hope the message you are about to hear is a blessing to you and your family. Nehemiah chapter number 4 Now we are uh, continuing through the book of Nehemiah, and of course the book of Nehemiah is a it's a very it's a very important book. It's an incredible book. There's a lot of wonderful truth yeah. in it. It's kind of a foundational book uh, about how to have a relationship with God, how to uh, walk with God, and really how to restore uh, times in our lives where we've kind of gotten cold on God. Of course, Nehemiah is sent by God back from uh, Babylon or from Persia to rebuild the wall that had been torn down. It's about 100 years after uh, the destruction of Jerusalem that he goes back. He's about 800 miles away, but God lays it on his heart. Uh, to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall and rebuild uh, the gate that had been torn down. And so he goes there, and of course, we saw the first week the the compassion that Nehemiah had for those who were hurting. Uh, people he didn't even know. Uh, people he'd never met. he He was living a good life uh, in in captivity. He was the king's cupbearer, so he uh, tasted the best food, drank the best wine, he was well taken care of because the king, Wants to make sure the guy that tastes his food uh, is happy and likes him. because you don't want the guy who is making sure you're not poisoned mad at you. Uh, so Nehemiah's got a good life. He's, he's, he, could, he could have gone his entire life living as the king's cupbearer died, uh, having a good life in captivity. Uh, but he hears about people in Jerusalem who are suffering. People he doesn't know. People he's never met. Uh, it's 100, 100 years after the captivity. He's never been to Jerusalem. Uh, He doesn't really care what's going on there, but his, his heart is broken by what's going on. He has extreme compassion for the suffering of the Israelites back in Jerusalem. So he begins praying to God. He fasts and prays and just lays this burden on God and just praise, you know, for days, God, help me do something. Lord, you've got to step in. God, we know we've sinned against you, but Lord, you have promised to restore us, and so God, we ask you to. And then he goes before the king, and he asks the king for permission, but he sends up a prayer to God before that, and the king gives him permission to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. But he does even more. He didn't just say, yeah, sure, go ahead, Nehemiah. You can go. I'll give you letters with my seal giving you passage through the entire kingdom where no one's going to bother you. No one's going to question you. I'll give you people to protect you. I'll even give you the materials from my forest to rebuild the wall of the city that my empire destroyed. I'll give you everything you need. So man, by chapter 3 and end chapter 3, things are going great. God has been working. The wall is being built. Nehemiah has gotten people on board to really get be a part of of this this rebuilding process and things look great and if the book ended chapter three that's a great ending that's kind of a happy ever after ending but it doesn't end in chapter three we've got chapter four five six seven eight nine we've got several chapters after that so in chapter three everything's great god's moving in nehemiah's heart god's moved in the king's heart God's moved in the people's heart. They're back there. They've got the material. They're passionate about doing something for God. And the work has begun. But then in chapter 4, some things happen. Nehemiah begins to deal with obstacles. And here's the thing. Every believer who steps out on faith to do something for God... Is going to face obstacles no matter who you are no matter what it is again this is our year of discipleship and at the beginning of the year i gave every one of you devotions and you know yearly devotions to do with couples and families the teens got a yearly devotion Uh, i gave devotions for the the women and the men speaking of january's done your february through april devotions are in the foyer for men and women so go ahead and get them if you would because i've had a couple people kind of complain, not complain, just kind of bring up an issue, that you may need a larger print in your devotion. Uh, if you need a larger print devotional, uh, see me, and I'll get you a magnifying glass, and I'll, get you, I'll print you off a bigger print. Uh, I can print you off some bigger print, but be sure to get them. But I gave you devotions, and if you decided this year's the year, I'm going to do my devotions every single day, 365 days I'm going to do... And look, again, these, and these are quick devotions. Danny was telling us you can do the men's devotion in a commercial break. And if you're watching a TV show, mute the TV show during a commercial, and you could read it during a commercial break. Now, I don't watch live TV. I watch streaming TV, so I don't know what a commercial break is anymore. But it doesn't take but about three, four, five minutes to do it. So it's quick read to help you uh, get on this. And so that's why... So that's, uh, my point is, if you've never really done your devotions or walked with God don't start the year off saying, I'm going to read my Bible through this year, because no, you will not. Uh, Because that requires three to four chapters a day. Which, some of the chapters are great. I mean, Genesis, I love Genesis. Exodus is fun. Leviticus, not so much. Numbers, Deuteronomy, oh my Lord. And then you get to Psalms, and you get Psalms 119. If you're going to stay on track, you've got to read Psalms 119 plus three other Psalms. You're reading for three weeks, trying to get through that Psalm. So, my point is, if you're trying to start, well, I just start small and get these devotions. But you may have said, "I'm going to, I'm going to read my devotions every day this year. I'm going, to, I'm going to stay on track. I'm going to be faithful to God." I guarantee you, a few days in, something happened and you missed. And here's the thing: that's fine. If you miss a day, don't miss two. If you miss two days, don't miss three. See, what most of us do is we miss a day, we miss two days, we miss three days, we think we've got to go back and make it up, and then it's so much that we're overwhelmed with making it up. Don't worry about making it up. If you missed a few days, just skip those days and keep, keep going on. The point is to get you reading it regularly. But you're going to face obstacles. Maybe you woke up to read your Bible that morning, you, you've been doing it faithfully for four or five days, you wake up on the, the sixth day to, at your regular time to read the Bible, and the kids are sick. Or something else happened. And distracted you. You overslept. Your alarm didn't go. Something happened that kept you from doing what God had called you to do. That's what Nehemiah is facing. When you step out to do something that God has called you to do, you are going to face obstacles. We we get it. You know, and when in the story of Nehemiah, we get one verse that shows us his heart, his compassion. We get six verses that show us his prayer life in praying for the burden God has placed on him. We get eight verses where he's planning to go to the king and, and, and request these things. We get 11 verses on his preparation, getting the people together, surveying the work. But when it comes to the obstacles he faces, we have three chapters. That tells us something. No matter how great your passion for God is, no matter how much you pray, no matter how hard you plan, no matter how much you prepare, you will face obstacles in what God has called you to do. Jesus said in John 16, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Bible says in 1 Peter 4, Beloved, be not surprised at the fire ordeal that is taking place among you to test you. As though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. And as far as you are in Christ, you share Christ's suffering so that you may rejoice and be glad also in the revelation of his glory. Paul said in 2 Timothy, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Obstacles in the, your walk with God should be expected. Peter says, don't don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes. Why do you think it's strange? You're going to face difficulties when trying to serve God. You set out to do something for God, and there's going to be more and more problems you're going to have to face and to overcome. And don't be surprised, because the enemy cannot take your salvation away, but he can stop you from working for God. He can't take you out of heaven, but he can make you ineffective while you're on earth. So he's going to do everything he can to attack you. So what do we do when that happens? Nehemiah chapter 4 shows us what to do when facing opposition. Start reading in verse number 1. But it came to pass that when Ballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. So this is the second time Samballot showed up. And you know we need to really understand why is he so opposed to to this wall getting built. What's his issue? Why does he care? Well, Sambalat is a Persian politician and he didn't want the, re- the Jews to rebuild the walls even with the king's blessing. And here's why, because after the Babylonians had come through and conquered Israel, and then of course later the, the Persians conquered them, but when they came through they left the Hornites who are descendants of Moab. They left them in the land, and when Babylon left, these Moabites, they came in and set up kind of mini-kingdoms under the Babylonian rule. They became very wealthy, they became very, very powerful, and they had all these, these kind of mini-kingdoms set up. Uh, that were allowing them great wealth and prosperity. And so when Nehemiah comes back to rebuild the wall, if he's rebuilding the wall, then Sambalat knows they're going to reestablish the kingdom, they're going to reestablish the worship, they're going to do the things that are going to hurt my business. They're going to hurt my paychecks. And so he is opposing what they're doing because what they're doing is threatening his power and his wealth. And his first attack, isn't a very big one, you know, literally speaking. It does, it can have some effect, but his first attack is to make fun of them, to mock them. Here's the thing we talked about last week. We're going to be used of God and we're going to restore and rebuild. We got to get in the mud with people. We got to realize we're muddy and get in the mud with them and help them and. And pray for them and do everything we can for them. When you get in the mud with people, you are going to face ridicule. Look at verse number two, Nehemiah chapter four. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps? Of the rubbish which are burned so now they're just they're sitting back and they're they're mocking them they're laughing at them you know again as persecution goes this doesn't seem bad but if you've ever been bullied you know this is bad you know there's that saying sticks and stones will hurt will break my bones but words will never hurt me that is a lie words hurt now Do sticks and stones hurt? Yeah, they do. But bones heal. Some of those emotional wounds we deal with, sometimes they never heal. They just cause bitterness and anger and wrath and really hurt us. Words hurt. They can make you feel worthless, and that's what's happening here. Simbalit sitting back and he's saying, "Look at them weak Jews. They don't know what they're doing. They're too dumb to rebuild this wall. They're too stupid." To rebuild this wall. He's reminding him. He goes look. I don't even know why you're rebuilding this wall. The Babylonians tore it down. What are you going to do? Make the ashes back into rock? You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. To do what you're trying to do. Look at verse number three. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. And said even that which they built. If a fox go up. He shall break down their stone wall. So so, Tobiah shows up and. He starts joining in the ridicule. So says, look, even if they get it all stacked up, you know, a, a, a fox is going to you know, pee on it. It's going to fall over. This wall's not strong enough to stand up to a, a stiff breeze. So let them do whatever they want to do. It's never going to work. Then the chapter 4, and you kind of understand why they're doing this. Chapter 4 gives us a list of the men who are involved in the building project and a list of their jobs. Now, if you really study it, there are a few stone builders. There's a few men who have the skill and the trade to help build the wall. You know what the most common job in all these men are? Perfumers. Guys who crush up flower petals to make women smell nice. Now, I don't have anything against perfumers, but if I'm trying to rebuild a wall, I'm not going to, you know, some guy whose main job at Calvin Klein is to make things smell nice. And that's basically what these guys are. They're, they're, they're perfume. They're not tradesmen. They're not workers. They don't have any idea what they're doing. So it's obvious why they are making fun of them. They're not skilled laborers. But they're not just making fun of them because of who they are or how they're doing. They're doing it out of anger. Remember back in verse number 1. He got mad that they were rebuilding the wall. And so their attacks are meant to discourage them. To get them to stop fixing the wall. Here's what you have to understand. When you step out on faith to do something for God ridicule is going to come. Your family who don't know Jesus, why do you go to that church every Sunday? Why are you trying to read? Why are you trying to be a better person? I know who you are. I know what you're like. I know what you're really doing. And so they'll make fun of you. They'll mock you. They'll ridicule you. They'll tear you down. Why? To make you feel worthless so you stop doing what God has called you to do. The enemy's going to send people to discourage you. But here's the thing. Now, this this attack is coming from outside the wall. But later on, you're going to see some attacks coming from inside the wall as well. People who should be building the wall. People who should be part of the work, mocking them, making fun of them, trying to discourage them. Here's the thing the church is full of people who like to sit back and complain about what the church is trying to do. They don't want to get involved in it, they don't want to work, but they're going to complain it's not done the way we used to do it. I don't like how that's getting done. Look, uh, Dave Young said something real, real powerful, real, you know, really got me thinking this week, and this is what I want to happen. He you know, talked about the church in the book of Acts. You know, the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people get saved and baptized added to the church. Can you imagine that? If one day we had a sermon Out in out in Salem or Roanoke, and three thousand people got saved and got baptized and joined the church. And the next Sunday, they all showed up to church. You know what? Most of them would not look like you. You know what? Most of them are going to be doing. They're going to be out in the parking lot smoking cigarettes. And you know what? Praise God! They need to get right with God, but they're brand new baby Christians. But if if they showed up and some some people that came in and saw, oh, we got people smoking in the parking lot. We can't have that. I'm like, I don't care. As long as I'm smoking in the sanctuary right now, I'm good with that. We'll work on the cigarette thing. We just got them saved. We'll work on their their cussing. We'll work on their, their appearance. We'll work on their habits. But right now, let's just praise God they're here. Praise God they're saved. But a lot of Christians, a lot of, and I'm not saying y'all would do that. Some of you might. I'm not going to name names, but a lot of Christians sit back and say, I can't, we can't, oh, we can't have them people coming in here couple uh, back in the summer i had a a a pastor call me he wanted to use our church for a church he was starting which i was fine with uh it was a it was a you know southern baptist church but he was starting a biker church and i was all for it i was like yeah and he's like we'll we'll start we'll start our service you know y'all are done they wanted to use the gym He's like, we'll start our serving. You know, y'all are done by about 12.30. We'll probably start around 1, but people will start showing up. And I thought, man, I can't wait to be dismissing church and have people. See the looks on y'all's faces? I would have loved it. They found another facility. But I was, I was like, oh, come on, let's bring the bikers in here. That's going to be awesome. Uh, and that's what, that's what the kingdom of God looks like. But there are people inside and outside, when you start trying to serve God, they're going to mock you. They're going to ridicule you they're gonna try to stop you happens every time so what when you, they want to say something I want to say something to you from the bottom of my heart don't be that person that person sucks okay that person is terrible don't be that person I ain't saying you gotta love everything you may not like something that's fine Keep it to yourself. Unless it's unscriptural. You know, unless it's, you know, heresy. Then, don't be quiet. Bring it up. But if people are getting saved, kingdoms being built, who cares? Just praise God for what's going on. Discouragement. Obstacles. They're going to happen. So, how do we deal with it? We're, we see this in the book of Je- Nehemiah, chapter 4. First thing that we do when we're attacked, when we face obstacles number 1, don't lash out don't lash out Nehemiah is attacked he's ridiculed he's mocked and he doesn't respond he would have been justified to respond he'd have been he would have been fine to say hey why don't you guys shut up we're doing what God has called us to do I've got a letter from the king telling me to do this, so why don't you stop complaining and stop running your mouth and just shut up about it. But he doesn't lash out. He is silent to their attacks. Now, our natural, natural response when we are attacked is to retaliate. Respond. To lash back. To defend ourselves. I see it my kids all the time. Connor will be going through the, the living room or the kitchen and Lexi will say something to you for no reason, but she just wants to be mean. She'll She'll say something. She'll call him stupid. You know what he does? He keeps quiet and comes to his father. Your daughter said something to me that hurt. No. He says, you're stupid. Idiot. And they just back and forth. And I'm like, why did you do that? If you'd have just come to me and told me she did it, she'd have gotten in trouble. Now you're both in trouble. You're dumb. When you're attacked, don't lash out. We see that in Jesus. He's hanging on the cross. Sinless. No sin in his body. He is hanging there because of me and because of you. They are mocking him. They are ridiculing him. Hey, if you're the son of God, come on down. He could have. He could have said, you know what, I'm tired of this. And, you know, just showed him who he was. But he was silent. He said, Father... Forgive them. They don't know what they do. If anyone had the right to defend themselves, it was Jesus. But he didn't. He came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross in my place, absorbing the wrath from my sins, and rose again, never defending himself. So Nehemiah, they attack him. He doesn't, he doesn't respond. Instead, he drops to his knees and he goes to God. Look at verse number four. Hear, O our, oh our God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them a prey in the land of captivity and cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. Now, that prayer does seem a little harsh. That's kind of like David's prayer where David's like, Hey, God, those people who are attacking me, just kill them kill their family, kill their dog, kill their cat, kill everything, they've ever, burn their house down, make it a, a pile of poop. Seems like a harsh prayer. But the, here's the essence of the prayer. God, they're not attacking us. They're attacking you. They're attacking what you have called us to do. They're attacking your work. So God, step up Because your name is on the line. Defend your honor, God. What do you do when you're attacked? Your natural response, lash out. Defend ourselves. Attack them in return. Here's what Nehemiah is telling us. When someone attacks you, when someone ridicules you for what you're doing, don't respond. Drop to your knees and trust God to defend you. Trust God to take care of you. But it doesn't stop there. Look at verse number six. So built we the wall, and the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. So don't lash out. Number two, don't believe the lies. Just keep working. Just keep doing what God has called you to do. Despite the attacks, Despite the ridicule, the people don't get discouraged. They get stronger. They go to work and they finish half the wall in no time. It is amazing what the people of God can do when they're unified. When they are unified to serve Him and glorify Him and worship Him, nothing can stop the kingdom of God. These people, they persevered. They kept going. They prayed. They gave, opposition, they gave the opposition over to God, and they kept their eyes focused on him. If God has called you to do something, don't stop just because someone doesn't like it. Keep your eyes on God. We are called to be obedient to God. We're not called to obey the Sam and the Tobias of the world. We're not called to obey the people who are going to mock us and ridicule us and condemn us. We're called to obey God no matter what we face. Don't answer those that ridicule you. We only answer to God. So when God calls you to do something, the only response is obedience no matter what we face. Look at verse number 7. But it came to pass that when Sambalad and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped. Then they were very wroth. Now this is a warning to us. When you start serving God and the attack comes, someone tries to stop you and you keep serving God, they're going to get mad. They're they're not going to like that you're not listening to them. The best way To make someone who's attacking you mad is to ignore them. It doesn't matter to me what you say. I'm serving God. I'm just going to keep doing what God's called me to do. You can keep running your mouth. You can keep saying what you're saying. I don't care. I'm serving God. That infuriates them. Look at verse number 8. And conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. So they, they realize now that mocking them wasn't enough. So they, they, they resort to physical attacks. They say, well, if they're not going to listen to what we're calling them, then we'll just get the army together and we'll attack them. The verbal attacks quickly turn to physical attacks. But notice what Nehemiah does in verse number 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God so to watch against them day and night because of them. So when the attacks escalate, Do we pray but defend yourself? Now, if someone is physically attacking you, I'm not saying just, oh, well, you know, praise God, (laughs) you can't hurt me. No, defend yourself. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but here's what's going on here Nehemiah's he's still not attacking them, he's still not retaliating. He's saying, look, they can threaten, they can. I'm going to keep working, but I'm going to prepare myself in case they do attack. I'm able to defend myself. He's not leaning on a shovel and praying for a hole to appear, and he's not digging a hole furiously and praying for God to make the hole. He is praying like it's all up to God, but he's working like it's all up to him. He is spiritually dependent on God, but practically engaged with the work. And that's how we stand against the opposition. Pray and defend. Pray and keep working. Now, unfortunately, the threat of attack does what the enemy hoped and the people get discouraged. Look at verse 10. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. And her adversaries said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to see. So doubts set in, discouragement sets in. The people started asking, can we we really do this? I'm really glad that this is in here because it reminds me of me. In my weakest moments, In the times of biggest discouragement, I know I've been tempted to quit. I've been tempted to say, Is God really really for me? Is 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 God really in this thing? Is God really gonna defend me like he says he is? Because it doesn't seem like he is. Be easier if I just gave up. Be easier if I just stopped doing what what I'm doing. It's, it's easy to not trust God. They were discouraged by the amount of work, and they were discouraged of the attack that they were facing. But here's the thing. The attacks haven't come. They're just rumors of attacks. Pending attacks. But they haven't happened. Look at verse 12. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, from all places, when shall you return unto us? They will be upon you. So here's what that's saying. There are Jews that are living outside the city of Jerusalem, outside the destroyed walls, in the suburbs. They're not inside the walls that are being rebuilt. They're outside the walls that are being rebuilt. They're not helping in the work. They're not there helping build. They're not there doing anything. But ten times they come to the builders and say, hey, you're making the enemy mad. You've got to stop. You got to stop doing what God has called you to do. Again, you know the enemy; he uses those that appear to be our allies to discourage us and get us to quit. You sure you really want to start a celebrate recovery program? You know what kind of people you're going to bring in here? Yeah, lost people, broken people, needy people. You sure you want to help with the homeless? What they what they come? Look, y'all probably seen it. There's a, a, a homeless camp down here on, uh, off of Apperson. I think it's Apperson. I don't know what it is. You go down here, Peters Creek, yeah, and go right across from Harbor Freight. There's a, a, a late... I stopped by the other day and asked, her, hey, you need any food? I'll, I'll bring you some food. We're right up here at the church. I'll bring you some food. I'll bring you some clothes. She was doing okay then. I'm going to check with her a week because right now somebody has stopped her up. I was like, well, you let her know where you're at. She may come up here and may, maybe start asking for stuff, or great. Because you know, I'm going to give her, when I give her food, I'm going to give her the gospel. I'm going to share Jesus with her. You sure you want those type of people in the church? Yeah. You know why? Because the only people Jesus ever ridiculed, ever ever corrected, were the uppity religious people. We're so much better. He's just saying, eh, I ain't taking you. I'm going to the, the broken and the beaten and the, Yeah. But there are people who may seem like, "ow, you sure you want to start that? It's going to be hard. It's going to be financially hard. These people don't give. These people can't help." Well, so, still, so people are going to try to discourage you. But look at verse thirteen. Therefore, said I, in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places, they even set the people after them, with their swords and their spears and their bows. Nehemiah, he doesn't quit. He says, I'm not going to let the enemy attack me. I'm going to let, not let people who I think are allies make me quit. I'm going to keep serving God. So he puts people in position to fill in a gap to protect the work. He doesn't fold under the pressure of opposition. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Here's what that's saying. If God lays a burden on your heart and you pray about it, you plan for it, And you prepare yourself to do it, and you start doing the work, but then opposition comes, and you quit. Everything you did was worthless. Was worthless. You gave all those prayers for nothing. You prepared yourself for nothing. You made plans for nothing. It's just if it's a bad strength to begin with. For Nehemiah, God's work was too important to stop. He kept working and continued preparing in case of attack. Look at verse 14. And I looked and rose up and said to the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not, you afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. The the work had to continue. They were fighting for more than just themselves. And so are you. We're, We're fighting for more than just... This church, this community. We're fighting for, for lost in the area. We're fighting for the broken in the area. We're fighting for our kids and our grandkids and our great grandkids to make sure they have a place where they can come and worship God and serve God and lift up the kingdom of God. Look at verse 15. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel to naught that we returned all of us to the wall, every one to his work. God got the glory for what was happening. Nehemiah could have said, Yeah, they saw us prepare. They saw us get our swords out. They saw us fill them. They, they saw that we were ready for them and they got scared of us because, no, no. no. God gave us the victory. Anything we ever accomplish. Is all because of God it's not because of any of us look if if this church is built on me guess what happens when I leave church so you're leaving no unless the church in Hawaii calls me a pastor and then adios or ah, aloha y'all can come with me no I wouldn't go to Hawaii it's too crazy down there but I mean I, I, I hate to break it to you I'm not gonna live forever but God may call me somewhere He may call me to a mission field. I don't know. But if the church is built on me, when I leave, the church is gone. The church is built on you when you're gone. It, the church is gone. church is built on God and his kingdom and his glory. He is doing all the work. Look at verse 19 through 20. Finish up here. And I said to the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, the work is great and large and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another, in what place, therefore, you hear the sound of the trumpet? Resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. This is the last encouraging word Nehemiah gives to the people. Keep working. If you hear the trumpet, come ready to fight. But don't worry, because God is fighting for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on your side, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. If God's fighting for you, it doesn't matter what comes your way. Trust God to take care of it. You know, that's that's how the chapter ends, but the persecution continues for two more chapters. God's telling us, opposition, persecution, are part of the Christian life, if, you plan on serving God. here anyway, I'm going to say this. If you like, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't feel like serving God, I'm going to doubt that first statement there. As a Christian, you're going to want to serve God. You're going to want to raise your family in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You're going to want to stand up for what's right and what's good and what's godly in your area. But if you decide to serve God, you're going to face problems. And if God burdens you, to restore the brokenness around you for His glory, you're going to face opposition. Don't quit. Don't walk away from obedience to God. The work is too important. The gospel is too great to quit. So what do you do? Build anyway. Serve anyway. Prepare for battle, but hit your knees and trust God and just keep doing what God's called you to do. Heavenly Father. Thank you for listening to this message from New Grace Baptist Church. For more information about New Grace, check out our website at www.reachingroanoke.com.